Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Up next, a young aspiring singer disappears. A telltale sign of, you know, someone who was running away from something. She had a history of running away. She's always come back. Surveillance cameras tell at least part of the story. When I saw the video, I started feeling very confident that we were focusing on the right guy. All they had to do now was to find him. I wanna love someone that will stand by my side. Sixteen-year-old Yoshan Ashbrook had dreams of stardom. Her sister and Yoshan used to write songs all the time, different little lyrics and and things, and they wrote one song called Wanna. I wanna love you, but could you love me too? I feel so safe when I'm with you. I wanna love you. And Yoshan sang this song, and they... um really wanted to to get it recorded and to do something nice with it. And she just didn't get the chance to finish that. And if a singing career didn't work out, she had a backup plan. Yashan wanted to be an entertainment lawyer. She could make deals and make everybody happy. Like many teenagers, Yoshan had her share of conflicts with her parents, but they were usually resolved. Yoshan did have a history of running away. Normally, she would run away, spend the night somewhere else, and come home the following day or maybe two days later. But after an argument with her parents about smoking marijuana, she left, this time for good. Yoshan's parents were very concerned about her. They were aware that she had substance abuse problems. Her parents notified the police, called all her friends, and went to all of her known hangouts. Towards the end of the evening, it was more frustrating because... It was like we had no other leads. We had nowhere else to go. We couldn't think of any other places or any other people to talk to. The next morning, electricians working for the power company spotted a woman's body off the side of the road outside of Tampa, Florida. The body was identified as Yoshan Ashbrook. You could see that her throat was cut, blunt trauma to her face, her head. There was cuts, defensive wounds on her hands. Yoshan's pants weren't found at the scene. Looking at her body being nude from the waist down, you cannot help think that uh, maybe she was sexually assaulted. Gosh, I don't know how to describe that feeling. I'm never going to see my daughter get married or have babies. I'm never going to hold her first child. And I'm never going to see her make her dreams come true. Investigators found a single hair in a defensive wound on Yoshan's thumb. It appeared that this might be the hair from her attacker, like if she went to grab him and when she was fighting him, and she grabbed him and it, and it just got embedded in there. The hair had the root intact. About 30 feet from the body were fresh tire tracks. It was obvious that 
whoever was driving that vehicle backed into the area and then dragged her body into the woods. The tire tracks were in the sand, a surface ideal for making plaster casts. These were so clear, I could say that there was not any rain or had occurred or any damage in the environment at that time because they were such nice, clear quality impressions. No one knew of anyone who wanted to harm Yoshan. But for investigators, these clues were a very good start. Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you compare quotes from multiple local pros, browse homeowner reviews, and even book a service instantly. Angie's been connecting people with skilled pros for nearly 30 years. So the next time you have a home project, bring it to Angie to get your job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. As police search for Yoshan Ashbrook's killer, the medical examiner learned that the knife wound to her throat was not the cause of death. The medical examiner explained that the suspect may have put her in some type of wrestling move, like a half Nelson, and turned or put extreme pressure on her, which dislocated, which broke her neck. An autopsy found no evidence of sexual assault. In a search for suspects, Yoshan's family suggested police interview... John Hansen, a 60-year-old family friend who lived nearby. John was an older gentleman. He hung out at the house all the time with us. But in my opinion, he seemed after a while to get too close to the children. He always wanted to be their friend, more so than the friends of an adult. Within 24 hours of finding Yoshan's body, investigators went to Hansen's trailer to question him, but he was gone. We've talked to the park manager and some of the neighbors, and they said they hadn't seen him in a day or two. A background check revealed Hansen, a day laborer, estranged from his wife, had no history of violence. A 60-year-old man having teenagers visit the house and hang around, I think it does lead to suspicion as to what is going on. While police searched for Hansen, criminalists measured the tire impressions found near Yoshan's body. Those measurements and tread patterns were entered into a computer database of 20,000 different tires manufactured around the world. There was then seven different manufacturer models that could have made that tire impression at the crime scene. Different manufacturers sometimes sell their mold to other manufacturers, so therefore you would have the same mold but yet under different manufacturer and model names. All seven of these tire models were for larger vehicles, which meant Yoshan's killer was driving either a truck or an SUV. Then police got an important lead from a woman who saw Yoshan the day she ran away. Hello. Hi, it's Yoshan. She received a phone call from Yoshan about 8.30 in the morning on July 31st. Yoshan asked if she could come by and drop off a letter. Within minutes, a red Ford pickup pull-up. Yoshan gets out, runs to the door. The note 
was for the woman's son, Max, who was Yoshan's boyfriend. It was, hi, I miss you, I love you, I'll call you later. That type of note. She just appeared to be in a hurry and, and wanted to leave. The woman said the driver was a middle-aged white male, but she didn't get a good look at his face. She did, however, provide a valuable piece of information. Max's mother provided us with the cell phone number that was on her caller ID. When investigators called the number, a man answered the phone. We're able to get a person on the phone. He said his name was Philip Thompson, and he was asked if he knew anybody of the name of Yoshan Ashbrook and if he had picked up anybody or knew this female. Philip Thompson confirmed he and his daughter had picked up Yoshan when she was hitchhiking. Hey, can I borrow your phone real quick? Took her to her boyfriend's house to leave the note. And then they dropped her off at the local Walmart. And that's the last that he had seen of her. Philip Thompson agreed to meet police later that day, but he failed to show up for his appointment. Investigators looked at that as possibly, you know, a telltale sign of, you know, someone who was running away from something. But police received some troubling news. The cell phone wasn't registered to Philip Thompson. It was registered to Philip Parton, a convicted killer. Philip Parton was convicted of a murder that he committed in 1987, uh, in which he strangled a man with a, a phone cord or some kind of cord. Short version was that Philip Parton was what they call a hustler, a male prostitute. He had picked up this gay math teacher at a local club. They went back to the teacher's place. Something happened there. Parton beat him, strangled him to death with a telephone cord. Once he killed him, he took his wallet, money, credit cards, got into the guy's car, and drove off. Parton was convicted of second-degree murder, served six years in prison, and was released in 1995. Police believed that it was Parton they'd been speaking to about Yoshan. Parton said he and his daughter dropped Yoshan off at this Walmart the morning she disappeared. But that's not what store surveillance tape showed. The Walmart surveillance video shows them pulling in at around 8.48. You see the suspect, you see Yoshan, and you see the suspect's little girl. They spend five, ten minutes, purchase a couple of fishing items, and then they leave, get back in the vehicle, and drive off. The videotape left no doubt. Yoshan was with Parton, a convicted murderer, just hours before her body was found. When I saw the video, I started feeling very confident that we were focusing on the right guy. There was only one problem. Where was he? Police searched nationwide for Philip Parton, a convicted killer who had already admitted to police during a phone call that he'd picked up Yoshan Ashbrook while she was hitchhiking. Investigators learned that Parton and his daughter were living in Newport Ritchie, Florida, with a friend he'd met in prison. When questioned, Parton's roommate said he hadn't seen Parton or his daughter since Yoshan's murder was covered in the local news. 
He also said he'd never seen Yoshan Ashbrook at his house either. With a search warrant, police examined the room Parton and his daughter had been using and initially found nothing suspicious. We lifted up a throw rug that was in between the two beds. And when we pulled the throw rug back, there was a huge discolored stain. The stain was about four feet long and smelled of bleach. It looked like someone had recently tried to clean it. So criminalists lifted the carpet and found traces of blood underneath, which they collected for DNA testing. Forensic analysts also went over every inch of the room. They started searching, and on the wall, they found a speck of blood. It looked like it might have been a cast-off, a little teardrop. The blood on the wall and underneath the carpet yielded a genetic profile, and it matched Yoshan's DNA. We can say that uh, Yoshan was killed in that bedroom. Parton's roommate insisted he had nothing to do with Yoshan's murder, but wouldn't cooperate further. I did not want to cooperate with the investigators, nor the state attorney's office, very belligerent, just hated authority, despised us. Meanwhile, the search for Philip Parton wasn't going well, even though he was in constant contact with police via his cell phone. Detective. Philip liked to talk. He would question detectives as to, what do you have on me? Why do you think I'm the one that did this? He was seeking answers. You have nothing on me. The problem was, Parton would make a call and then drive away. So it was impossible to pin down his location. One call came from across the country in Washington state. This was just another way of Mr. Parton uh, taunting the detectives. Finally, the phone call stopped completely. But then, two months after Yoshan's murder, police found an abandoned red pickup truck in a Walmart parking lot 50 miles away from where Yoshan's body was discovered. The license plate showed it was Parton's truck. But on the truck were four bald tires. That didn't match the tire impressions at the crime scene. Was Parton trying to show he wasn't the killer by using decoy tires? And he's got to know we're going to take tire casts and we're going to know what kind of vehicle he was driving. It's pretty smart. But if that were the case... Parton made a colossal mistake. In the glove compartment, investigators found three rolls of film. When developed, one picture showed his truck with different tires. One of them was a Wild Country brand tire. I was able to determine that the tire impressions made at the crime scene was made by one of seven, and one of them being the Cooper Wild Country tire. This became a crucial piece of evidence for us in this case. With the help of an informant, police found Parton's seven-year-old daughter. Parton had dropped her off at a friend's home after the murder and never came back. Parton tells her, you don't know where I'm at, you don't know where I'm going, and, and don't tell anybody, take care of my child, I'll get back with you later on. He's never seen again. Parton's daughter confirmed Yoshan's whereabouts on the night of the murder and said Yoshan never left the bedroom. 
She remembered that they went back to the house uh, where they live, went into the bedroom, and that she and uh, Yoshan played video games and watched TV. Parton's daughter said she was asleep in the living room while her father and Yoshan were in the bedroom. When she awoke, Yoshan was gone. We asked her what time did Yoshan leave, and she didn't remember, probably after she went to bed. She had no knowledge of when they left. And she couldn't tell investigators where her father was hiding. This guy's pissing me off. evidence in the Yoshan Ashbrook murder pointed to one man, Philip Parton. He was the last known person to see Yoshan alive. His truck once had the same brand of tires that left tracks just feet from her body. His own daughter put him with the victim the night of the murder. And perhaps most tellingly of all, when police went to question him, he went on the run. But he couldn't control his curiosity about the case and called detectives from all over the country. He ultimately thought he could beat the system. Well, in doing that, we were able to trace his phone calls. With a warrant, investigators tapped his roommate's phone just to see if Parton would eventually call him. And that's what he did. When Parton called his roommate, the police were listening in. They traced the call to a payphone in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We knew that Mr. Parton was involved in the air conditioning business. He had a general area where the phone call came in from. So we concentrated our search in that area. And that's exactly where they found him. Mr. Parton was quite shocked to see detectives. Uh, he was taken into custody on a warrant. Upon questioning by detectives, he refused most of the questions. Uh, he didn't confess. But DNA finally told the tale. Parton's DNA matched DNA on the hair found on Yoshan's body this DNA just sealed the deal. To see whether Parton's roommate was involved, investigators searched his SUV and on the front seat found a bloodstain. But a test on the bloodstain didn't match Yoshan Ashbrook. It was DNA from the man's son. The roommate also claimed he was at work in Tampa on the night Yoshan was murdered, an alibi corroborated by his employer. Prosecutors believe Parton picked up Yoshan while she was hitchhiking. Hey there. Hi. Parton gained Yoshan's trust by having his daughter with him and by helping her with her errands. The security tapes show the three of them went shopping later that morning, bought some fishing gear, and according to Parton's daughter, went fishing later that afternoon. Parton's daughter said they returned to their rented room sometime late in the day. After dark, Parton's daughter fell asleep on the sofa. Parton may have made a sexual advance towards Yoshan, which she rebuffed. There was a fight. 
Dushan grabbed some of his hair, and Parton used a knife to cut her throat. Blood spatter got onto the wall, but it was a broken neck that caused Yoshan's death. Parton took Yoshan's body to the woods 15 miles from her home. She had in her hand his DNA. Parton left his tire impression in the sand. Later, Parton attempted unsuccessfully to clean the blood from the bedroom. Philip Parton is an opportunist who preys on young victims and vulnerable victims. I would consider him a, a sick individual. Philip Parton went on trial for first-degree murder. He was found guilty and sentenced to death. The forensic evidence was the case. It was the case. Her DNA in the bedroom and his DNA his hair found in her finger. That's the case. Everything else was circumstantial. Mr. Parton uh, had a tattoo on his body that said, live free or die, and, and that was his motto that he, he went by, either, uh, either let me free or kill me. And uh, ultimately, I think it speaks for itself. <laughs> 